world's becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. Lipstick Bodyguard, fear no evil. Get yours today, only at LipstickBodyguard.com. This week on Parents Are Hard To Raise, Diane's special guest, Corinna Minchu, combined her love of music with some creative thinking about pulmonary rehabilitation to produce some amazing results for people struggling with lung disease. Welcome to Parents Are Hard to Raise, helping families grow older together without losing their minds. I'm elder care expert Diane Berardi. We have a very special guest in the studio today, Corinna Minchu. She's a registered respiratory therapist, a certified pulmonary function technologist, and a certified asthma educator. Corinna has over 35 years experience as a respiratory therapist, over 25 years experience in pulmonary rehabilitation, and over 20 years as a clinical respiratory therapy educator. Corinna is currently the pulmonary clinical coordinator for pulmonary rehabilitation at Centra State Medical Center in Freehold, New Jersey. Corinna also is co-manager for the Tri-State Society for Cardiovascular and Pulmonary Rehabilitation, the regional chapter of the American Association of Cardiovascular and Pulmonary Rehabilitation. That's a mouthful, Corinna. Thank you. <laughs> you have a, quite a resume here. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So. Tell us, what does a registered respiratory therapist do? Most respiratory therapists work in the hospital setting, whether that's in the emergency room when somebody comes in first being short of breath or maybe being injured. A lot of respiratory therapists also work in intensive care setting, taking care of people that really need ventilatory support. Uh, but we also work uh, in home care settings, sleep labs, or what I currently do, I work in a pulmonary laboratory where I do testing to test people to diagnose pulmonary disease and pulmonary rehabilitation. Oh, wow. You resp I didn't realize respiratory therapists, they have vast places, areas they work in. And yes, it has grown a lot from, it used to be uh, many years ago, of course, an on-the-job training. Where really? uh, they, they yes, where they actually help bringing the oxygen tanks to the room, okay. and then of course have expanded a lot to be uh, some somebody takes care of people with breathing problems. What diseases um, do you deal with most often? Uh, in the pulmonary rehab setting, we deal mostly with is COPD, which is chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Okay. But we also have a lot of patients with interstitial lung disease. Now, I don't know if that is more diagnosed or if it's becoming more prevalent. Okay. Uh, interstitial lung disease is different than COPD. The lungs become stiff a hard time getting oxygen from the lungs into the bloodstream with of course COPD is an umbrella diagnosis for chronic bronchitis and emphysema. Ah, okay, I didn't realize that. I, and I guess asthma, asthma? Asthma also, yeah, asthma of course is uh, 
uh, disease of the airways. I always, when teaching, uh, telling my students the two parts to the lungs, connective tubing, the airways, and the lung tissue, the alveoli, the little air sacs, okay. and a patient can have disease of either one or maybe both. Okay. And, and um, what exactly is pulmonary rehabilitation? Pulmonary rehabilitation is a way for the patients to tone the muscles that the lungs support, if that makes sense. We're not necessarily going to change the lung tissue, okay. uh, but it's a way to be able to control their breathing better. Uh, we do that through, uh, if you have a muscle that is better toned, it, uh, it uses less oxygen, so the patient has to work less okay. hard with the breathing. Uh, also, with bre proper breathing techniques, most people, when they get short of breath, a lot of my patients will say, when you can't breathe, nothing else matters. Sure. So uh, <laughs> it doesn't only become a, a physical a disability, but also it becomes very mental. You become very anxious and you start breathing very, very rapid, which for most people is not a very efficient way to breathe at all. Right. So we work a lot with breathing techniques. We work with pursed lip breathing, which is blowing out slowly, that you always have exhalation longer than inhalation to get rid of the, so to speak, stale air that has already taken the oxygen from the air sacs and delivered into the bloodstream and the blood then coming back giving the carbon dioxide and you have to get rid of it. Um, the other thing that we work with also to work with the main muscle of respiration which is the diaphragm, the diaphragmatic breathing and maybe that's where also kind of for me who I used to uh, sing a lot, I used to study music and I used to sing a lot and I always joke with my patients too, like, what's the most important thing in life? And when you're in the hospital, they'll all say health. Yeah. And I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> the dollar is the most important thing because people that breathe that with it make it different in the dollar amount, musicians, singers, and wind players, they will work very hard on proper breathing technique. My brother-in-law is a French horn player and he has more books about breathing techniques than any pulmonologist that I have ever huh, met. Okay. Because it really matters for him to right. be breathing correctly and control your breathing. Right. A lot of times when somebody's short of breath, controlling the breath is the most important thing. Well, that makes perfect sense. I mean, when yeah, when you think about it. I remember, you know, when I was, my sister was getting married, and I was, um, I guess I was a junior in college, maybe, and my father suddenly uh, was diagnosed with asthma. Okay. And um, at that time, he had to go to Colorado to a special uh, asthma. Right, Colorado does have very good health care. Um, it's, oh, my God. It's in Denver. Yes, it was in, in, Denver. in Denver. Yes, so they have a lot there. I'm, I'm not saying, of course, that proper breathing techniques is completely going to alleviate your breathing problems. Right. But sometimes it can at least hold you over for an asthmatic so that you can get to your inhaler or your nebulizer treatment and so forth. Because, of course, there's medications also that is needed to treat or help control COPD.
Yeah, and I guess that's what they did. They taught him, you know, he was there, I think, for like three weeks. Okay. He had to be there. Okay, and, interesting. Yeah, and interesting. Um, how to teach, the, you know, teach him how to live, I guess, with asthma. And There are, of course, a lot of um, things that can trigger as, asthma, especially that has allergens, pollen, smoke, uh, but also emotion can trigger right. asthma attacks and maybe that's what happened with your father seeing his daughter getting married that's what I think that, you know that, that's that, what we that, kind of yeah, thought yeah, you know yeah, yeah. so emotion emotion anxiety has, has a big big impact and I think that's also where pulmonary rehab helps a lot of our patients um, I might be a respiratory therapist with a lot of experience but I don't know that I've ever been short of breath I've never stopped doing anything because I that I can't breathe. Right. So I might be telling the patient do this, do that, but in pulmonary rehab they see people with exactly the same problems. Right. And the people that have been there for a long time that telling the new patients, Yes, yes, do it. It'll get better. Yes, blow out slowly, it gets better and they can tell each other techniques that they do. They also talk about some devices that they use. A lot of my patients are on oxygen. Yeah. And maybe not not all of them 24 hours a day, but definitely when they exercise. And um, it's very difficult for people when they're first told that they need a, a, an aid to function. Right. They don't want to go outside. They don't want to be seen outside their home. And I also tell the patients that... The oxygen is a leash. It's not. It, it's it's an extension cord. I'm sorry. It's an extension cord, not a leash. Because most people say, "Well, I'll wear it in the house." Right. <laughs> no. Then they're using it as a leash. You want to use it as an extension cord so you can do more. But that takes the support from the other members in the yeah. pulmonary rehab, because COPD. Uh, I spoke to my patients before I came here tonight. Also, and they say one of the things to to tell people it's COPD is something that you learn to live with. It's not going to go away. the The problem with COPD is that first letter C, which stands for chronic. And uh, my slogan has been with pulmonary rehab, we changed that C to controlled obstructive okay. pulmonary disease, huh. which makes a much more positive outlook. Sure, yeah, because chronic. I mean, yeah. and that uh, the pulmonary rehab, the people getting together, that, uh, you know, and them com uh, people coming together and knowing, helping each other. They help each other yeah. a lot. There's a huge support system. And that's really important because with uh, you find with a lot of chronic illnesses, people, they isolate themselves. Right, and, you know, of course, when it first hits you, you feel you're the only one. Right. I think that's with anything you when you first we have a disease so it helps a lot with support group systems yeah definitely now respiratory therapists they also go into p patients homes and yes with home care with home care is when somebody is set up with that they need uh, breathing treatments at home they have a respiratory therapist go and also if somebody needs oxygen they also have a respiratory therapist go home make sure that the device is appropriate for, ah, the, for the patient. Okay. Uh, there's all kinds of different, whether it's a concentrator or a tank, some of them are very heavy. Right. And sometimes it can be a patient that just cannot use that. Got it. And when we come back, we'll be back with Corinna Minchu. 
registered respiratory therapist. I want to tell you about my friend Katie. Katie is a nurse and she was attacked on her way home from work. She was totally taken by surprise. And although Katie is only five feet tall and 106 pounds, she was easily able to drop her six foot four, 250 pound attacker to his knees and get away unharmed. Katie wasn't just lucky that day. She was prepared. In her pocketbook, a harmless looking lipstick, which really contained a powerful man-stopping aerosol propellant. It's not like it was in our grandmother's day. Today, just going to and from work or to the mall can have tragic consequences. The FBI says a violent crime is committed every 15 seconds in the United States, and a forcible rape happens every five minutes. And chances are, when something happens, no one will be around to help. It looks just like a lipstick, so no one will suspect a thing, which is important since experts say getting the jump on your attacker is all about the element of surprise. Inside this innocent-looking lipstick is the same powerful stuff used by police and the military to disarm even the most powerful armed aggressor. In fact, National Park Rangers use the very same formula that's inside this little lipstick to stop 2,000-pound vicious grizzly bears dead in their tracks. It's like carrying a personal bodyguard with you in your purse or your pocket. Darkness brings danger. Muggers and rapists use darkness to their advantage. We all know what it's like to be walking at night and hear footsteps coming at us from behind. Who's there? If it's somebody bad, will you be protected? Your life may depend on it. My friend Katie's close call needs to be a wake-up call for all of us, myself included. Pick up a lipstick bodyguard and keep it with you always. You're listening to Parents Are Hard To Raise. Now, thanks to you, the number one elder care talk show on planet Earth. Listen to this and other episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and on demand using the iHeartRadio app. This is the air I breathe. This is the air And I want to welcome our new listeners from Birmingham, Alabama, Bangor, Maine, Austin, Texas, and Kansas City, Kansas. Welcome, and we're so happy to have you listening to the show. And we're back with Corinna Minchu, who's a registered respiratory therapist. So, Corinna, um, what do you think about singing? Is that an, um, an effective therapy for COPD? I think it could be very good. A lot of times, patients that first come for testing, uh, they say with shortness of breath, I used to be able to sing in church and I can't do it anymore I can't so possibly if they kept doing it that might be because singing has a lot to do with just controlling your breathing right okay and I was reading an article the other day about uh, Tai Chi um, probably also I think any relaxation techniques are very good um, a lot of times we do very simple exercises, just lifting your shoulders and relaxing them, lifting your shoulders and relaxing them. And then I tell the patient, now leave them down. Uh, somebody with COPD or doing anything to use what we call accessory muscles okay. to try to make the, the lungs bigger, to expand them, right. rather than using the diaphragm. The diaphragm for COPD or has become flattened a little bit so they didn't have not the same excursion same movement 
as for a healthy person. So anything that can relax them with that and use the diaphragm. Uh, I'm a firm believer that the diaphragm is a muscle, yes, than anything else, and a muscle you can exercise. Wow, okay. Yeah. And I think that's where our new thing has becoming an, an impact and how it's also helping our patients. So tell me about that. Tell me about the harmonica. The harmonica is actually through the COPD Foundation have started a program. There's a COPD 360, Harmonicas for Health. Okay. So this is something that the COPD Foundation is promoting. And my coworker and I uh, decided to go with this and buy some harmonicas and see if the patients were interested. And it has become a huge success. Harmonica, I don't know how many people uh, listening have ever played the harmonica. Uh, I play the piano, I play the cello, but with, and I have blown in flutes and clarinets. But with the harmonica, you don't only have to, to make the sound. You have to exhale, and you also have to inhale to make a different pitch. Ah, so okay. the pitches are exhaling and inhaling, and you the holes on a harmonica are very small. So to get a good pitch, you really have to purse your lips, which is good for COPD, and the control of the breathing when you do the notes. And all this while you are thinking about the music rather than thinking about a boring exercise, incentive uh, spirometry, you know, that you do after surgery to take the deep breath. You do this in a group setting and the patients absolutely love it. It, it, it sounds like it's fun yes, as yes. well as effective. It was very fun. We started uh, practicing uh -huh. one day a week, Okay. Uh, maybe five or six people, and it grew. So the first performance that we had, we played at our holiday party. Really? For, uh, <laughs> there was, everybody was there, and more people joined after they heard. Uh, our next big performance was at the Tri-State Symposium in Princeton uh, last month. We were invited to open really? the symposium, <laughs> yes, which actually was very appropriate because this was for uh, cardiovascular uh, nurses, nurses in cardiac rehab and respiratory therapists that work in pulmonary rehab. So what better than have our own patients perform? Yeah. <laughs> and it has really taken off. And uh, now we practice, th we have three different groups that practice. They actually come in on in the morning at 7.30 in the morning to practice. And then one group comes back on uh, in the afternoons. Wow. We're also yeah. going, uh, this end of this month, we're going to one of our uh, rehabilitation, uh, inpatient rehabilitation centers okay. to also to perform, to tell the patients there what's out there for them, to join pulmonary rehab. Maybe they'll uh, join the pulmonaires. The pulmonaires. <laughs> uh, but it, it's very important to know what's out there for them because a lot of times maybe patients do not know. Right. Uh, I had one patient just recently that had asked her, pulmonologist if she can go back to go to the gym and he had told her well I'm not really sure if you should go to the gym but you should go to pulmonary rehab and she said what's that she had right. never heard of that there was such a thing that you could exercise in a control setting where somebody's monitoring you 
So not only are you exercising feeling better, but you feel safe while you're exercising. Right. Because we check, of course, their pulse rate, uh, their oxygen saturation, blood pressures, and yes, general, of course, we're there for them the whole time. Right. So I imagine a pulmonary rehabilitation, like cardiac rehabilitation, a physician has to order it and does insurance cover that medicare or yes if it has to be ordered by a physician okay and we have to have a a breathing test to show that they do have lung disease Uh, you can't just say i'm shorter right uh, uh, copd is diagnosed with spirometry which is a very simple test. Okay. Uh, the patient, uh, you can do a full pulmonary function test where you measure lung volumes, uh, flow rates, how fast somebody can take a breath in and out. Okay. And then also another test to measure how well the oxygen goes into from the lungs into the bloodstream. Spirometry, a lot of people, a lot of doctors even do in their in their office. You take a deep breath in and you blow it out real fast, and that would then show if there's airflow limitation okay which people with COPD have so and um, they have been shown I I had read a study that by the time you start having shortness of breath on exertion you're already in the moderate stages of COPD you're not you have already surpassed the mild so of course if this could be diagnosed earlier I think it's very important that more people, if they have, if they are smokers or were smokers, if they are coughing, um, if they have any shortness of breath, that they get diagnosed. But maybe sometimes even if they were just smokers and they now fall in the age group or maybe over 60 years old, it's not a bad idea to have a breathing test to make sure that you don't have this beginning of COPD because if you do you should definitely stop smoking right or and maybe start exercising um diet and exercise with almost all diseases but also with COPD is very important now by diet like what keeping in better shape okay keeping in better <laughs> shape uh I mean of course we have you have both both factors you have some some people are can't gain weight with COPD because yeah because they get shorter breath when they eat okay okay so sometimes you have that so you have and also we teach them to eat many small meals rather than eating big meals if you eat a big meals all the energy goes to the gut to digest that food that takes up a lot of oxygen now you shorter breath and then people associate eating with being shorter breath so they don't want to eat as much wow I know I, I it's amazing, you know, all these, these like little things, yeah. little things, yeah. At our program, we also have a dietitian okay. that comes once a month. So it's uh, we have other uh, specialties that come in and give little talks. So we have a dietitian that co- comes and talks to the patients about proper diet for COPD. Um, yeah. A- and exercise, um, I guess. Exercise, what they do, uh, we... We have treadmills, we have New Step, which is a machine where you exercise both your arms and your legs at the same time. We have 
I have trouble with that. <laughs> regular stationary bikes, okay. recumbent bikes. Uh, of course, a lot of patients have comorbidities. So maybe somebody have had a knee replacement or they have a bad back, so you have to modify the exercises. Okay. If they have balance disturbances, now we uh, are also working with the physical therapy department to have them to do balance exercises, strength training for for that. Okay. We have Nautilus, we have weights, we have a little bit of everything. Uh, I'm also a firm believer with exercise, you should do things that you like to do. I myself (laughs) would never go to a gym where they forced me to do something I hated to do on a regular basis. So uh, there's a lot of different, we have, and everybody's different. So the only one you're competing with in pulmonary rehab is really yourself. It's not that you're trying to do what everybody else does because everybody's at a different level, different age, different disease stage, and so forth. Right, sure. Wow, very very interesting. And I guess um, you find uh, with anything, patient and family education is kind of a key to... Yes, I mean, I mean family, it's... it's, it's it's good if family is supportive. I mean, as you are well aware, yeah. a lot of times the way we live, everybody doesn't always have family close by. Right, right. So that that is sometimes a problem, transportation. Yeah. Transportation, and that, of course, Matt, depends on where you live. But right here in the tri-state area, if you don't have a car, it's very difficult to get places. It is. Public transportation is not the best. Right, yeah. So if anybody out there have a solution for <laughs> yeah. better transportation, let us know because yeah. that is a biggie. That is. And get, right, getting pe- getting people to... Getting them there. Getting yes, them there, yes, yeah. Yes, that yes, is yes, a big yeah, problem. Yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, in New York City, I've buses tra- you know right. i mean Not and but here. but the people have to be able to do that and to be able to right. get but right exactly. here right you're exactly. right we yeah. don't have yeah. Yeah. any of that yeah. so that Hope is not. a problem yep. Yep. that's probably that's a pro- big problem for any yes yes you yeah. know yeah. any type yeah, of you thing. asked before with um how it's paid for so medicare yes. does pay okay medicare typically covers 36 sessions Okay. And that's actually a lifetime. Really? 36 sessions. So when somebody starts with us, I always tell them it's 36 sessions. And after 36 sessions, they have three options. They can either exercise on their own, they can join a gym, or we're very fortunate at Central State Medical Center that we have a maintenance program. So they can stay with us on a, it's a, a pay program. Okay. But it's very, very reasonable. Oh, that's very, that's very wonderful reasonable. because thirty six sessions. Yeah, no, they really need to stay. Yeah, and uh, sometimes people uh, drop out after thirty six session, and then they come back. No, you are right. I really was supposed to stay uh, and yeah. exercise. For, so it, our our goal, our um, what we have to do is to encourage exercise as a lifetime commitment. I think that's for everybody. Right, your disease or not but yeah. it's very important so and we find that at least the patients that wear oxygen they stay in the maintenance program very few people want to go to a gym wearing their their, their uh, nasal cannulas in public but also a lot of the devices are very time limited 
Right. Okay. They're Port- very time. The yeah, portable, the portable, portable right. oxygen is very, very time limited. Yeah. So, uh, and of course, in a pulmonary <clears throat> rehab setting, we provide the oxygen for them. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's. Yep. And how often do they, when they start out, is it like twice a week? We like or we like for them to come. We see the best outcomes if they come three times a week. Okay. That is really the best. But if if sometimes. Uh, Life right <laughs> uh, comes in the way, so then they can maybe twice a week. Right. But we usually set forth to try for them to come three times a week. Great. Wow, that yeah. was yeah. really informative, Corinna. And I, knowing you for as long as I do, you 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 exude respiratory thera- therapy. Thank, thank I mean, you you love what you do. I do love my job, and I it really shows. It, thank it you. It shows. And thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you for having me. (laughs) So I guess we talked a little too much. I hope this episode (laughs) gave you some insight into something that you may be dealing with. Remember, the very best conversations happen at parentsarehardtoraise.org. So please go to parentsarehardtoraise.org and leave a question or a comment so myself, our team, and the entire Parents Are Hard to Raise worldwide community can support you. Please share as much detail as you can. Remember, your story can help someone else. One of the things we're all starving for is community and connection. So please join us. Please subscribe to our show on iTunes or iHeartRadio. And I'd be so grateful if you'd share this episode with your family and friends. Parents Are Hard to Raise is a CounterThink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York, under license of Broadcast Music Incorporated. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to you reading your comments and can't wait till we meet up again on the next episode of Parents Are Hard to Raise. Till then, may you forget everything you don't want to remember, and remember everything you don't want to forget. See you again next week. <laughs>